You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch as we discuss rookie minicamp. What stood out to us? Why is Pete Hayner the number one coach we want mic'd up and more? Plus, I share a few observations after watching the rookies for a couple days. You can follow Michael on Twitter at MichaelPRTD. You can read my work on ESPN.com and follow me on Instagram at ESPN. I'm posting videos from practice over there as well as on Twitter. Before I share a few thoughts, don't forget to sign up at monkeyknifefight.com. Use promo code JKR for a free $5 daily fantasy game, and they will match up to $100 on your first deposit. Now, a couple nuggets of information. One of the offshoots of a smaller camp, there were only 16 guys there, was the more intense individual work the players received. There were two tight ends who received every F-bomb tossed by Pete Hayner. There were two offensive linemen, so they got a lot of work with John Matsko, et cetera, et cetera. Jared Patterson was the only running back. The result, more time for drills, more time to get better. There was one time Friday when Hayner had rookie John Bates do a second rep simply because he saw improvement in what he was asking him to do going in a sled drill. And he wanted him to do it again, as he said, while you're still feeling it, repeat that technique, have it more seared into his muscle memory. Often with these situations, you have a lot of guys to filter through. So it's difficult to get that sort of individual attention. It's not unusual to have him repeat a rep, but to do it over and over is would be different and could get, it's just so many more reps for these guys. And these are the guys who they're eventually going to count on to make the team and then ultimately help more on, more on John Bates moves. Well, not great, but well, and you could see some of that athleticism. He absolutely needs to learn to sink his hips. That was a point of emphasis for Hayner. So you'd see that at the sled, um, not a lot or, you know, he needs to learn how to lower that backside, but instead he was lowering at the shoulders and the head area bending at the waist, losing some power. He got better over the course of two days, and I think he's going to help. And But again, that's what this weekend is for. And so when you watch these guys, if you see clips, these are not finished products. So don't take it as that. Take it as just a first glance or glimpse of who they are right now. The key is what do they look like in June and then August and then beyond because it's a never-ending process for these guys. It takes a while to really get to where you need to go. As for Samus Reyes, one comment I heard from someone there was that he really has no idea what he's doing right now. And that's probably how it should be. I mean, he's he's new to the game. Um, that was not said in a bad way, but in a way that they understand he has a long ways to go. So keep that in mind. Again, when you watch his videos or hear things, I posted a video on Twitter and some people automatically project him to either be a superstar or a complete waste of time. It's ridiculous. He's neither one right now. He's a guy who's trying to develop. You can tell at times that he's thinking a whole lot while running his routes. He looked a little robotic at times because of that. 
And that's to be expected. This could be a couple years process before he really gets it. The key will be whether or not he looks better in June again and then in August. He may never get it, but he's worth a shot because of his physical tools and his, his work ethic. There were some routes in which he ran he ran his after baits and they ran it at different depths, sometimes in several yards difference. I'm not sure who was wrong. It's just an observation. On Saturday, Hayner got on Reyes for not for needing to finish his routes. Rather, don't see, there were a couple of times he seemed to stop running, whether after the catch or before, and there was some point in the route, and that kind of drove Hayner nuts a little bit. I like talking to Reyes in our post-Zoom presser. I have no clue, again, what he'll eventually do. All we can do, go on right now is his athletic gifts. And then, you know, you know, he's working it. He also is a quite, he's an impressive physical specimen. I mean, he looks the part. So that's, you know, a start for him. And that's why what intrigued him. He told us how he had a few whiteboards in his apartment. And when he'd walk by one, he'd have his girlfriend call out a play. And then he'd draw it up on the whiteboard. Sure enough, on Saturday, an hour after practice had ended, he was out on the field catching more passes from the jugs machine. It will take time. Again, maybe a couple of years. But if it works like this, He's got a good shot. Of course, we also have to see how he reacts to the contact in the preseason. I love listening to Hayner. He's a guy other listen, others listen to him as well, like Rivera, quite a bit. He has a strong demeanor. It's tough coaching. During one drill, both tight ends have a towel at their feet to emphasize how wide, where their feet should be in the stance. Hayner barked at Reyes one time to pay attention to the details and listen to every effing word I say, except he kind of finished that effing part. His feet were off by six inches, but that can be the difference in a good play or a bad play. Thereafter, Reyes would look at his feet when he was lining up. On Saturday, they spent a lot of time working on their stance and pass protection, where to place the weight, how to backpedal to make sure your weight remains in the right place, front leg, where to have your hands, et cetera. Again, there is a lot more attention paid to that because there were only two of them at, at, during, the, or during the drills. Ron Rivera said Jarek Patterson reminded him of Darren Sproles, whom he was on the staff with when Sproles played it with in, in San Diego. Patterson is listed at 5'7". I'm not sure if that's his listed, you know, that's his listed height. I don't know how, if he's that tall. We didn't get a chance to be in, um, next to him. Sproles was 5'6", but Sproles was faster. He was timed at his combine at 4'49 in the 40. Patterson was a 4'51 in his pro day when the times are almost always faster. So, but I'll be curious to see what they do with Patterson. He's proof that you can't put too much stat, stock in college stats or, how, or, you know, the fact that he didn't catch the ball. He only caught the ball 20 times at Buffalo. But a lot of what he worked on this weekend in group drills was catching the ball. Of course, with no defense, it's hard to run the ball. So this is a lot about passing, but he showed that his hands shouldn't be an issue. Now, to, you know, I like the way he caught. He caught the ball with, you know, he, he got his hands out in front of him, wasn't bringing it into his body all the time. So that was, or wasn't catching with his body all the time. That's good. Now, to be an effective third down back, which is what you could see him, them trying to do with him. And he also, you know, um, what you have to learn, you, excuse me, to be an effective third down back, you have to learn how to run routes and you have to be a good pass protector because you're not always going out on passes. Sort of makes you easy to defend if that's all you do. So let's not go overboard yet on Patterson, one step at a time. Let's see him work against the varsity and go from there. But I do wanna see how he develops in a third down back role. Again, you always have to look to the future because building a team is not always about the here and now. JD McKissick is entering the final year of his contract. They'll need a third down guy in 2022 if they don't keep him. Could that be Patterson? I don't know, but this is what you start to develop him and see if he can become. 
the defensive players were on the opposite end um, when we were out of the practices. So it was really hard to see them. We're not allowed to walk over there and get a close-up view like we used to because of the whole COVID protocols. But I can tell you that Shaka Tony looks like an athlete. He's a long arm too. I like how he uses his hands and some of the drills that I could see, that length comes in handy. And I'll be curious to see how they plan to use him as he develops. Again, I'll have more on him this week in a podcast when I talk to his coach at Penn State. But I do think he could play off the ball here, and, and we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Um, also, Jamin Davis, I need to talk about him because, he again, he looks the part. And Michael and I talk about him in a few minutes, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. He just looks like he's an athlete, but that's really all we saw. What you really want to see with him is how does he take on blocks, how does he fit in the run game, et cetera. And, again, Michael and I talk about that. Meanwhile, offensive tackle Sam Cosme worked on the opposite side of the field where we were watching, there's two fields side by side. He was on the opposite end of the one that we were closest to, working on the sled with uh, another offensive lineman, Rick Leonard. So it was kind of hard to fully see all that he was doing. From afar, though, you see the athleticism. That's what you want to see. Same thing with Davis. You expect to see that, and that's good, because if he didn't look athletic after hearing that he was, that would be a problem. Anyway, they worked Cosme at both the left and right side when they got together in a bigger group. With Charles Leno now here, Washington doesn't have to play Cosme on the left side until he's ready. And now they have a lot more depth than ever, they hope. Deami Brown looks fluid. Needs to sharpen up some of the little aspects of his routes after he makes his cut, whether he's drifting or whatever. But he certainly looks smooth, and he looks like he can turn it on when he needs to. So, again, he'll be fun to watch. Dax Milne looks like he has good size, ran some pretty good routes. What I like with him is that he could develop into a slot receiver and replace Adam Humphreys after this season, if he develops. So we don't know. Again, you know, you always hear these things, and so guys, some guys do, some don't. And so that's if it all goes well. But I like the idea behind it, which is why I like the pick. He can also play some outside, but I think he would work inside pretty well, I think. Finally, on Bobby McCain, whom they signed um, this weekend. One of the things I knew Washington wanted was a safety with range. If you're going to play a single high system behind this front, there will be chances for a guy like that to make plays. Kane only has seven career picks, but Washington did like his range and ball skills. And he is a good leader. And one of the guys that I know that Rivera brings up a lot is Kirk Coleman, had like nine picks um, in 2015 playing behind a really good front in Carolina. Coleman was a journeyman safety. So they kind of see they just want somebody with range, and that's what McCain offers. That's why they signed him. I know teams always say it doesn't matter who's strong or free, and Michael and I talk about that in a minute, but it definitely does. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed him. They have many strong they have a few strong safety types who i think can play guys who are but these most of these guys are better near the line of scrimmage they need somebody with range and i'm not going to go overboard and i w- one thing i always say is i like to Everett and jeremy reeves i think they both offer something but clearly this team was looking for more i'm not going to go overboard here because as revere showed last year he's not averse to cutting someone they signed presumably to start as he did with sean davis last year but McCain does provide flexibility because he can line up at free and is played in the slot. When I noted the increased versatility to someone over there, I was told it's all part of the plan. This will provide more ability to Skype coverages, et cetera. It always looks good on paper. Always does, folks. You know that. So let's see how it plays out. But in May, that's the thinking. Anyway, that's it for me. I'll be back after this break with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. We touch on the rookies, how the offseason went, and even Aaron Rodgers. Would you do it? Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight 
that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less, where an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total. You can do the same in baseball, where a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc. It's fun, and every Friday it's Home Run Derby, and on three guys who have home runs that night, all three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week you can participate in their Eagle Eye jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. We're back with America's podcast guest, Michael Phillips. All right, Michael, we had our first chance to see the rookies. And the biggest impression for me is, or the biggest thought I come away with is, how can we get Pete Hayner mic'd up for a practice and we can go listen to it? You, you know, all the money they lost during this pandemic, the ticket sales, you could make it all back with a Pete Hayner D- wired up DVD. It's, that dude is incredible. And for, you know, for those, if you don't know, he is their tight ends coach and he is a drill. He's a colorful drill sergeant, I guess. I mean, how would you describe him? Yeah, he'd be he'd be the star of Hard Knocks for sure if they ever did oh, this. Oh yeah. he, he's hard on the guys, but like it, it not yeah not in a straight military way. Like he, he kind of jabs at them, right? Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, hey, I could do this, you can do this, you know. It, but you know, with with many more f bombs. Yeah, with a lot more f bombs, and and it's colorful. But he's not like. But I also feel like when he does it, he's not being a jerk at all. No, he's just no, the coaching them hard, and I kind and I enjoy it. I, I think the guys really respond to him. Yeah. And it's clear he likes Samus Reyes, which is cool. They, you know, they, you know, he he coaches them hard, but he also knows that that that's how Samus wants to be coached because he he wants to learn how to play. Right. So, what is what were some of your takeaways then from from the couple of days we were out there? Yeah, and I'm sure we'll break down the players in a minute. My first takeaway was how crazy it was to just have 16 players out there. I, I don't think I've ever seen a practice quite like that where uh, a lot of the position coaches just had one or two players to work with. It was very individualized in terms of the attention. Uh, yeah, I've, I've never seen anything quite like that before. It's, it, it, it was pretty incredible to see. And, you know, it, because of that, we don't have these broad, like, here's how they looked in competition takeaways. But, you know, you, you expect the first, second, third round guys to look a certain way, and they do. Jamin Davis looks like an NFL player. You know, Deami Brown looks like an NFL player. Cosme obviously does. We'll see how they do against competition, but boy, they look the part. They they do, and I think that's because that's really all we're going to see right now is can they? How do they move? Because they're not going. You're right with 16 players out. For those who in the past, every other year before last year, you'd have 40 to 50 players out there with all these tryout guys who are more undrafted free agents. So you'd have a lot of players out there. So you could actually field units. This feels like if you're coaching basketball, only four guys show up for a practice. You can't, you can only do so much. You're, you're scrimmaging on air. And so, you know, every pass looks better. Every this, you know, the running back looks great. You know, everything looks good, but it really is about watching how they move. So let's start with 
Well, I'll start with Reyes because he's one of the more intriguing guys. We can get to the draft picks in a minute, but what was your takeaway on Reyes? He's not ready to play in the NFL, but dang, if he doesn't have a great work ethic and he's working towards it. You know, I, I think you saw what you wanted to see in terms of coachability, eagerness, says all the right things, is doing all the right things. Look, this dude hasn't ever played in a – he never played in a college football game before. So I think any expectations of him contributing – this year are, are probably a little optimistic at this point. Maybe he makes a great turnaround between now and training camp. Maybe it just all clicks for him. I think he's going to be much more like Mo Alley Cox, a guy who sat for an entire year before finally having the chance to break into that rotation. Yeah, I think this is a couple-year process for him, and you can see that he, the way he moves out there is like he's not—he's obviously not fluid yet, and he's not feeling. You know, you can tell when a guy is thinking a lot out there. I think that's where he's at. Of the of um, the dra- I'll, 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 I'll say one more thing about him while, while we're on him because everybody's like, oh he's got to be on the fifty three because they gave him a bonus or whatever. It, we go through this every year on cut day, Kyle. Yes. You, you know this. We we go through this. Oh, they can't cut this guy. He'll be claimed by another team because he's so great. Yeah, there are thirty two teams with fan bases all saying <laughs> you can't cut this guy. Everybody will want to pick him up. Teams fall in love with their guys. Nobody's moving heaven and earth one week before the regular season opener to get Samus Reyes on their 53. It's just well, not, that's not how it works. And, and, and I pr- thank you for bringing that up because I've already heard that. And what I remind people is I've heard this every year and there has yet to be a player where I feel like they that's happened to where they, like if they really want him, that they're going to, you know, they'll lose him, Or if he, they lose him, that he goes somewhere and does something else. I mean, you know, so we heard this about Cam Sims. You couldn't put him on there. And guess what? They put him on there and he still wasn't claimed. Now, he did well at the end of last year for this team, but nobody else decided, deemed him worthy of developing because if he's a developmental guy here, he's a developmental guy somewhere else, too. And that means you'd have to put him on your roster. And, you, you know, so I, I'm with you with that. Like, that's thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> it's an important point for people to know. It, it rarely, if ever, happens where that where the fan favorite or whatever, whoever it is gets cut or gets put on the practice squad and then gets picked up and, and go somewhere else. Who was the receiver from a couple of years ago? You know what? He, he went to the saints. Yeah. It was right. Simi Cobbs. Was that yeah. Simi Cobbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nate Sudfeld also got poached, of course. And Nate, well, I will say like, in, in fairness, like Sudfeld did help this team last year. So, you know, <laughs> So. <laughs> that, that is the true long play right there. <laughs> there you go. So um, with, the, with the draft pick, so we weren't able to watch the defense. Did you get anything from the defensive players? I mean, they were on the other side. They were on a, they were another field away. So our vision was, it was difficult to see them, but did you get anything from them? I enjoyed talking to Derek Forrest and uh, talked about how he's learning to play both safety positions, uh, strong safety and free safety. I, that's just so important in Ron Rivera's scheme. And I think this ties along with the Bobby McLean, McLean yeah. side, too. They don't need a strong safety and a free safety. They need two really good safeties. Well, they, and then what they also want, and McCain gives them, is a, a guy who has some range back there, and that's yeah. really what they need because there will, when you go to a, you know, they they you do have to be proficient in the other. So if you're free, you better be proficient in the strong because based on the rotation or the motion, you may have to come down in the box too. So, but yeah, um, but just from a from so like I said, it was hard to tell with the defensive players just yeah, how it, they really it, look. And, you know, Jamin Davis, I mean, what are, what are the things we're going to grade him on? Run fits and, you know, exactly. receivers who, who you know, he has to 
drop into coverage against. We didn't get to see any of that. What we saw is that dude's a freak. He's a genetic yes. freak who, I mean, just, you know, as all first-round draft picks always are. Um, but, you know, these guys, just when you see them up close in person, I'm sure we'll talk about Jared Patterson, who's the opposite of that, yes. which is why it's so remarkable. But when you see these football players up close, like everybody knows a big guy or like somebody who played college basketball or something. And then this is like another level. It's insane. It is. And I think that's the thing that, you know, what, because his athleticism is one, a big reason why they drafted him. If you didn't see that, there would be problems. We did see it in the drills or whatever. So what you need to see is what happens when he's going up against the, the, the big boys, right. Against the varsity. And so that, that's what, that's when we really get to see. And and you're right. Like the stuff that you need to see from him, we're going to see, we're, it's going to take a little bit of a while. So Jared Patterson, you brought him up. I mean, he's five foot seven. <laughs> What'd you think? <laughs> he stands out. He's so, I mean, like Chris Thompson stood out. I think he yeah. might be shorter than Chris Thompson. Uh, he's certainly in that mold though. Uh, Darren Sproles five six as well. Uh, so certainly comparable there. He, he's got he's got burst. They like what he has, and you can never have too many running backs. But what intrigued me was after practice, he took he fielded some punts, he fielded some kickoffs. Um, they're they're eyeing him as maybe being in that returner role too, which is intriguing to me. Well, and I, yeah, and I think he'll be good to have and to develop. I think if you can keep him around the practice squad too, um, if he doesn't make the roster, I think he's a guy that's. Worth seeing how he can develop in those other roles that he was not filling in college because he's not going to be a workhorse guy here, but he yeah. can't. But if you can get him to fill a role, then you have found something, and that's that would be um, for him what you really want to see. What about with um, Diami Diami Brown um, and and then Dax Milne, that receiver? He had probably the highlight catch of the day today, which you know, every dropped it, dropped everybody's jaws. It was very impressive. Uh, he kind of snagged one over the middle. It, you know, on a day where there weren't a lot of highlights, it, a wide receiver is always good for once. It's fun to see him, uh, uh, you know, knock one out like that. I, I, you know, another guy who, you know, is he fast? Who knows? They they don't go to full speed at rookie minicamp. Um, so you know, we'll we'll get a chance to see that later down the line. Uh, but the third round pick that that has just been so money for this team recently and. Uh, He's got the hands, he, he, you know, he, he's got the raw ability, and I, I think he is entering a great situation alongside McLaurin and Samuel. I, I agree. Um, could you get a feel for John Bates, Sam Cosme, either of those two guys? You, you know, I, I think with Bates, you know, a blocking tight end, a big guy, he got, you know, he's kind of a lumbering around, so to speak. You know, you, you watch those big guys, it, it's not quite the smooth Deami Brown run. It's more of that labored, like, I'm not, you know, I'd probably rather be doing something else than, than spreading this 40 yards right here. Uh, but, but they, you know, he, he did all the things and uh, certainly he's got the body of a blocking tight end. And that's a, that's a need for them and something they've, uh, they, they've really been waiting to fill for a while. And Cosby's another guy. I'm super intrigued to see him against the varsity. Uh, you know, I, I think that that will be one of the most fun things we look at in training camp and, uh, you know, every single day there's going to be competition at that left tackle spot. There's four guys who could legit win this thing. There are. I think that's why it's going to be very intriguing. But it is, you know, it's really hard, Michael, to really get a full gauge from this compared to years past because because there are so few guys. And so we keep, <laughs> keep but I still think there are things you can glean from them, but it's just so different. And I think, you know, you want to find something where you can say, this is a, something that I really saw. But with Cosme, again, you're going to have to see how he works against a defensive lineman. But in some of those little drills that they were doing, he looked pretty good. You know, he looked like you would think he would as a guy who's in it, who was known as an athletic tackle. 
You know, and it's one of those things where it's not like, hey, I can come on the podcast and tell you these 10 things I wrote down. But it's really cool to see, you know, with with no crowd around, without a lot of people around, how the assistant coaches coach these guys up. Right. The attention to detail and the attention to the drills. Like, you know, you talk about football being a year-round job for, for these players. You, you could just tell the passion and care these assistant coaches put into every drill, every movement, everything they ask the players to do. Uh, it's really fun to get to watch in that kind of more intimate setting. And, and it is. And I think along those lines, you always, if I'm a coach, I'm always looking for a benefit um, that you got, and I, I, I bring up, I brought up the four coaching four kids in a basketball practice because the other kids were sick or couldn't make it. I've been in that experience. So you always try to look for what is the positive that you can get out of that. And it's, it's always more individual attention. I and, can't believe we've made it this far without talking about the cheese man now. Well, you got to <laughs> save him. Yeah. 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 But, but, but before we get to the cheese man, but the, the, it's the individual attention. So you have, one coach for two guys for an hour out there just with them. And they're getting rep after rep after rep. And if you don't like something, you can fix it right now, as opposed to the guy getting back in line and watching five or six other people go. I think that was one of the benefits of these, of this smaller group too. Especially for these rookies and you don't know how they've been training or who they've been training with. This is stuff they can take home, take home to their trainers and say, Hey, Here's how I'm doing it in Ashburn. Let's make sure we're doing it this way so I'm ready for training camp. So what about the cheese man? <laughs> He's a long snapper. All right. <laughs> there we go. That's it. <laughs> it's, it I, will, I will say – you know, I, I he's stepping into big shoes with filling or be replacing Nick Sunberg, and not just from an on the field standpoint, but that group was really tight. He and Tressway and Dustin Hopkins, that was a really tight group. That it would be very difficult to come in after him with Tress with Tress and, and Hopkins. It, that that is true. But if there's any group of people you wouldn't want to like be stranded yes. on an island with, it, it's those guys. I Tressway is probably already like sent a cheese basket over, you know, and I, that <laughs> may, maybe one of his board games, very you know, welcoming I, committee. He's got some cheese trivia ready to go. I, it's a lot. <laughs> like what are the five most, you know, the five most popular cheeses in the world that it's, <laughs> you know. That it, right? I mean, that's it's a guarantee we'll get that at some point. That that dude is a, a treasure trove of knowledge. Forget Aaron Rodgers; he should be hosting Jeopardy. All right. Well, I got two more two more quick topics. How would you rate their off season to this point? You know, I, I think it's been an incremental off season and not an exponential off season. They have moved forward in, in incremental ways. They've they've built the depth. They've built. The, the experience, the veterans, the, the former captains, all, all those things Ron Rivera wants. But there hasn't been, you know, the push the chips to the middle of the table that you see sometimes in, in teams that feel they're, they're right on the verge of something. Uh, I think this is a team that Ron Rivera perceives as still building and learning that, that this isn't the year, uh, but this is a year where they can get closer to getting to that. What if Green Bay calls about Rodgers? <laughs> How much you willing to give up? He's Aaron Rodgers, man. I mean, it's you know where this if they if they got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, they're going they're they're in the the they're on the short list of contenders, don't you think? It, I I do, and I would even roll this back a, a little bit of the ways if if they get the deal done with the Lions for Stafford, who is not an Aaron Rodgers, he's just a Matt Stafford. I think that maybe still changes the approach of the offseason in terms of the aggressiveness you approach it with. Yeah, and if you look at it, like what they would have 
traded uh, Jamin Davis and maybe Deami Brown or Benjamin St. Juice to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. That's how it looks because that's it was a first and a third. So, you know, that would have been what they would have been giving up for him. So we'll we'll see. I, I my only my own take on that one would be that I get you would for them clearly they would have some you have to have some level of interest because it's Aaron Rodgers and you had interest in Matthew Stafford why wouldn't you but it would make them it would put them in contention right away if they could do it of course then it's like you're selling what are you selling of your assets to get that for maybe four year window to to maybe win so you know, I, I've given this response now three times this offseason. I've, you know, pre controversy is a yes, of course, you go all in for Deshaun Watson. And then after that, yes, of course, you go all in for Russell Wilson. Should he become available? And now the answer, of course, yes, you'd go in for Aaron Rodgers. If he were to become available, these are just guys you do that for. But at the same time, it's the functionality, the progress around here in terms of building the culture and establishing Ron Rivera as in charge. You can only do these deals if it's still clear that Ron Rivera is the one calling the shots. Right, right. You look at Tampa last year, obviously that went very well for them. They won a Super Bowl. But midway through the year, Arians doesn't want to add Antonio Brown. But guess what? Bruce Arians doesn't run that show anymore. He's not the one in charge. It's the LeBron situation there. And, And, you know, I'd be very wary to enter into that so soon after all the dysfunction we've seen over the years around here. Well, because the big quarterback decisions typically over the years have been from mostly come down from above. And when you, you're right, because if you're if the if the coach doesn't want him, if the other people and I, listen, I don't think it would be about whether or not you want Rogers or not. It's what are you willing to give up for him um, as much as anything? Because I think um, that that was always part of what held the Shanahan's back with Griffin was as much what they gave up to get up there versus actually drafting him. So, and, and with a guy like Rogers too, I mean, who does he want to bring with him? What other guys, what kind of schemes is he going to want to run? How does he impact the rest of your team all the way on down? You give up a significant degree of control when you do something like that. But you also haven't brought up the most important thing is that it'd probably get me on SportsCenter even more. So I'm surprised you, you, had, <laughs> you didn't bring that up. <laughs> I it, it boosts the old uh, ticket sales. That's for sure, man. I, you know, and, and we're in Green Bay this year, so you get the reunion game right out of the gate. That'd be a, that'd be a heck of a weekend in Lambeau. There, and, and used to doing this by now, though. And and it and that comes back to the cheese man. Somehow, <laughs> I don't know. Um, last last thing, what's what's left? What would you say? What's the one thing that you you know the number one topic left on the to do list, um, or biggest question for you as we move forward here? Yeah, and I hadn't even thought about the cheese man in Lambo. That's incredible. I, I, I think that right now this is a team that's probably a little too reliant on certain players, Antonio Gibson being one of them. When you consider it's a 17-game season, you're going to need to really build depth at some key positions. Even with the Jamin Davis signing, you're probably still one linebacker away. And, and you know, bringing in another safety, that was an important thing. As much as fans are excited about the top line here, in a 17-game season where you, you aspire to an 18th and a 19th game, depth is important and building yep, that depth is yep. important. And, uh, you know, you can never have too many good plays. You know, four left tackles here, that, that's good depth. you got to establish your top line. But, but that's what good teams do. They have very good, reliable replacements at every position, too. I think that's a good point about running back in the 17-game season. And I think, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they continue to look for somebody there because it was something they were looking for in the draft. So, but, but, you know, it's also why Lamar Miller was brought back in just to see if he has anything left. So 
Very good point. So, Michael, I appreciate it. And we'll be seeing you soon. And we saw you without a mask today. So that was, that was, that was beautiful. It was a uh, win. Uh, we, we are both vaccinated. Uh, I mean, God bless the scientists who, who got this thing across the finish line. Uh, it feels like we're turning a corner, Cakes. I love it. There you go. Thanks, Michael. Take care. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and, of course, of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as the other great content. Hey, this is Joel Corey from Inside the Cap. I know you're enjoying the John Conn Report, which gives you insider access to the Washington football team. Everything you want you want to know which is going on with the Washington football team. Once you're done with that, check out my podcast, Inside the Cap, which gives you the ins and outs of the NFL salary cap and player contract negotiations. Check out these two products and other fine podcasts from Empire Media. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Michael for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode Tuesday discussing, yes, Shaka Tony. Talk to you next time.